Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's up, guys? Welcome to Strathers Wars. I am Eric Strathers, and I do love Steel Wars. And in each episode, I find a Patreon supporter to talk about it with. In this episode, I talk to Danny Radford. Strong emphasis on rad, if I do say so myself. Danny really took it up a notch. He tried to pick episodes that had never been chosen for Strathers Wars. And uh, he did tell me that Chris Hall's episode of Strathers Wars picked so many of the ones that he would have picked himself that he really had to had to dig deep but uh he picked a bunch of them that he's really happy with and i think you're going to be happy with them too we had a blast doing it and in typical strathers wars fashion we spent a lot of time outside of what you hear in this show just talking which is part of what's so cool about doing this thing every time so let's just get into it right now So, Danny, man, I'm so glad you're doing this show. These are a lot of fun, and uh, it's taken us a little while to get this going. It's the story of every Strathers Wars, it seems like, anymore. <laughs> but but as the per usual, man, you've picked some really dope episodes, man. Cool. Thank you. It was awesome going through it. had a lot to choose from. I tried not to pick any that had already been chosen in the past, and that was really hard. <laughs> Yeah, that is an almost insurmountable task in itself because, oh my gosh, it's there's so many great episodes, but there's so many episodes that, or there's there's certain episodes just everybody thinks of as their go to favorites, and right, and for good reason. But you did a really yeah. good job of narrowing it down, man. It's extremely commendable, and I noticed <laughs> that some of the stuff, even if it was an episode that maybe somebody had referenced, you're talking about a different thing in it, which cool. is yeah. is pretty cool. But uh, I tell you what, man. Before we even get into that, let's talk about you know something. Steel asks everybody uh, is how did you first get into Star Wars? Okay. Um... My earliest memories of Star Wars are kind of all, all mushed together. I was born in 77, so year of Star Wars. And uh, the first movie I saw in the cinema was Return of the Jedi. And, um, and I think that was my introduction to Star Wars. But my memory is, is seeing that movie um, with my dad. Uh, also, my best friend having um, a battery-operated Scout Blaster which I just thought was the coolest toy ever. And, um, and also the Star Wars Return of the Jedi trading cards. So those three things are all sort of just mashed up into, into my earliest memories. The trading cards were something else, man. I, I tried to get into them now that you know, Star Wars is back and they're doing that stuff, but for some reason the magic is just not quite the same. Yeah, well, for me, we, we lived in a pretty small little town when I was growing up, or well, when I was that age, and there wasn't much Star Wars stuff around. And I mean, um, 
it wasn't even that much in the shops, but you could always guarantee that there were Star Wars cards, you know, in, in at the at the local um, convenience store. So, yeah, it was kind of all we had, and it, and it had that whole um, it had that whole magic about it where you just study the pictures yeah. for, for ages, just for ages, and then you know, and we would we'd trade them with each other. It was that whole thing. I actually bought a pile of the originals from somebody a, a couple of years ago, and I'm thinking in my head, man, these must be worth a fortune. Turns out they're not, but they're still they're still really <laughs> there cool. There must have to been have. tens of thousands of them being made. Oh, I mean, yeah. they must be everywhere. I, I, mean, so I haven't seen them for years. I haven't seen them anywhere. I just randomly found these, uh, you know, like on Craigslist. Somebody had them for sale. And uh, I like, oh, yeah, if you'll ship them, here's money. Take it. Just give them to me. Nice. And, it, <laughs> and it still felt good. It felt the same as I remembered it being. Oh, cool. So so now talk about collecting. Is What do you like to collect now? Um, I'm, I'm a little hit and miss with my, with my collecting, a little flippant. I, every time there's a Force Friday, I'll go out and I'll just buy whatever looks good to me. Generally, it's the, the three and three-quarter range. Um, cause it reminds me of the Kenner range as a kid that I had as a kid and, uh, am slowly trying to rebuild that collection as well. So I've got my little Kenners and then the three and three quarter, and you know, you should just pick up a few of the six inch black series and maybe one or two Lego sets from each movie. <laughs> the Lego sets are surprisingly fun. I, I mean, I've always thought Legos were cool. Or I'm sorry, I always thought yeah. Lego was cool. I don't need one of my friends who's a real stickler about that. Uh, but uh, my son is crazy about the sets. But the only bad thing is, is he gets them, we build them, and then he, within days, they're no longer together. He uses them to build other stuff, which is great. But I would like to only just buy bricks and not pay for the licensing fees they're trying to recoup <laughs> by... Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's beautiful, though, man. That's 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 the way Lego, I think, should be played with, like pulled apart and then re, you know, reimagining your own thing. That's not how I play with my Lego. I build the set; it sits on the shelf, and Same. then it just is a world of pain trying to keep the dust off it. Oh my gosh! It's- yeah. Now, something that's pretty sweet. I talked about it on my podcast a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago. I scored the. Uh, solo movie Millennium Falcon Lego set for 50% off it was on clearance because they're making space at Target for Triple Force Friday and I had been there that in a on for on a Friday morning and it was still normal price which I wasn't looking to buy it I just you know noticed it on the shelf and then came back like six hours later because we had the kids with us, and there it was for half of that price. I'm like, oh, I'm buying that for me, and I'm going to stick. I've got it sitting right here so my wife can wrap it up and give it to me on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's a pretty good score, man. Well, you've done well not to start building it yet. It's it takes a lot of a lot of restraint, but you know, I <laughs> I like to torture myself <laughs> and deprive myself. It really works out. And how do you display your Lego? Have you got like? Do you have any displayed, or does it basically all get pulled apart? Well, no, I display all mine. I've got a couple of shelves on a bookshelf over here, out of frame that you can't see. That are uh, like most of my Lego sets. And um, what's a bummer is because like all of my shelves that I have stuff stacked on are re- they're like wire rack shelves, which are great for storing boxes because my collection mostly looks like a warehouse and not a collection. <laughs> but man, that is the worst for Legos. 
because or Lego uh, because they'll fall yeah. through. And uh, right. so I need to come up with something because that Falcon's going to have to go on my shelf of mini Falcons. I think I I, I think it'll look great up there. Yeah, nice. So let me ask you this: How did you get into Steel Wars? Okay, um, so I I didn't really know anything about podcasts at all. Uh, and I'd been sent um, an audio newsletter, and I wanted to put it onto my phone so I could listen to it in the car. And for some reason, I couldn't get it to uh, upload via iTunes, and I did a Google, and I managed to upload it to the podcast app. Um, I don't know how. I don't even know if that's right, but that, that's what happened. So then I had to jump into the podcast app, and I saw that there was categories and a search bar, and um if I'm ever given the option to, to pick something from a range of things, if there's a Star Wars choice, I always pick the Star Wars choice. Uh-huh. So the first thing I did was, was search for Star Wars, and then all the Star Wars podcasts came up. Um, so I downloaded you know, a, a few of the, the, the sort of big popular ones at the time, and this would have been, I think Steel Wars was up to about episode three or four at the time. I was just lucky that by oh, chance wow. I got in at that time. And so Steel was one of the ones that I downloaded, and I listened to the Paul Dempsey episode because um, Paul Dempsey over here is sort of like royalty, you know. Right. Like everybody knows something for Kate, and, uh, and I'd seen something for Kate a bunch of times as, um, growing up. So I was like, I'll have a listen to that. And I just loved that episode. And then um, thought, okay, I'll start at the beginning. Like I say, it was only up to three or four. I think Paul was number two. And uh, you went straight back to Danny McGinley and started there. And and that's just – that's launched me down this, this big black hole of podcasts. I, I now would spend – Oh, I'd hate to think about it, but you know, it's it's two to four hours a day listening to podcasts. I have forty plus different podcasts in my in my app, and it's you know, it's constantly changing and updating. And it's um it's actually it's become a bit of a job trying to keep up with them all sometimes. Oh, absolutely, man! I've got I've got such a backlog going, and it's I listen to them at. It, typically at least one and a half speed and i know steel he tells me i'm a monster <laughs> that it's not fit to be around other yeah, people I'm not, I'm not a subscriber to that either <laughs> I, now see what's funny is it's to the point now where it sounds totally normal to me and my brain yeah. can just take it in <laughs> like it's no big deal and i don't know if i've ever told this story but the, i think you know what the very first podcast i did it takes we were talking before in our in our uh, production meeting that Danny and I were having before we started this. But the very first, my very first podcasting experience was with Ben Hart uh, for the Star Wars Underworld. Yep. And it was during Celebration London. And Ben was the, the one, one SWU guy who didn't get to go. So I'm pretty sure Sequel and Dom were over there. So yep. he got some of their patrons together, their Patreon patrons, to do a podcast about, you know, all the news that we'd been hearing. And I had been listening to podcasts on on fast speed for so long that I can't want to talk real fast like this because this is what I was expecting them to do. And and I realized when I listened back later, holy crap, I should slow down. And I I was when they do their show, then they do it live. So they play the theme and you hear the whole bit because they're doing it for real. And I'm like, okay, why is this so slow? Oh my gosh! Did I did I like take a Nyquil or something before we started? So yeah, yeah, it is tough, man. Well, okay. So you you talked about the Danny McGinley episode, episode one, and I'm glad you picked this because this episode, I, there there are so many pieces of this 
episode that that people talk about and pick but i think the part that you picked is probably one of my favorites so tell me about this one so yeah there's two little bits that i picked from this one i kind of cheated there i hope that's all right oh gosh absolutely uh, man totally fine but there was just i just try to keep them two short bits but yeah the first bit was relating to you know steel asks everybody in his episodes what's your first memory of of uh of star wars just like you did and um and it was really cool danny flipped it on steel and asked him so this is because you'll ask everyone their earliest Star Wars memory. What is your earliest Star Wars? Memory? I this, this is your show. Thank you, Danny. You're a great guest. Thank you. Um, my first Star Wars memory was going into a toy shop in Frankston, which doesn't exist anymore. It actually, if you went to that toy Look, shop, don't don't lead people on. Frankston still exists. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's really weird because, like, where you go to that toy shop now in the mall... Oh, and for, uh, for international guests, Frankston, uh, within Melbourne, you will not find a more wretched hive of scum <laughs> Or crack addicts. Um, yeah, so that where you go to that toy shop now would lead you to another total part of the mall. It's, like, it used to be the dead end, this toy shop. Right. And I remember walking in there, being very little, and just... A massive wall of figures oh, yeah. of just Star Wars figures, oh, yeah. and I didn't know anything about the film, but all the characters were very intriguing. Yeah, and because there was so much, I was like, "Yeah, I'm into this." Yeah, this is my favorite film. I had a very similar thing with He Man. Ah, okay. Because they were toys before they were a cartoon series. Yeah, that was a fine line. Oh they, yeah, they yeah Transformers as well were toys first. Yeah, definitely in Japan. So that was my first memory, was just seeing all the figures, and I got, I was uh, allowed to purchase one figure. Oh, and who'd you get? I got Luke Skywalker X-Wing pilot. Oh, nice. And I remember using our wood grain panelled Atari as some form of playset for him to play on. A panelled Atari? No, a wood grain panel. Like, we had an Atari. It was done in wood finish. Well, that's how they all were. They had like... Well, they didn't have it. So it was black plastic and it had a few knobs and then around the front it had like a wood, like a fake wood sort of panel with Atari written on it. You know, to harken back to the days when your grandfather used to carve video games out of wood. (laughs) Just whittle out Wonder Boy in Monsterland. Right, and so, and okay, was it vaguely X-wing shaped? No, not at all. Yeah, right. Like I hadn't seen the film; I didn't know what an X-wing was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had an Atari as a kid. I didn't have the wood grain Atari, but I had the Atari, and I knew exactly what Steel was talking about when he was when he was um, describing the Atari. And I just thought it was hilarious. Danny didn't know what it was, and then he, he starts making that joke about um, you know whittling video games out of wood, <laughs> whittling Monster Boy in Wonderland, which is one of my favorite games. So um, I just thought I just thought that was hilarious. The Atari man, I could totally relate to that because we had one of the early Ataris like that with the wood grain, and man, I wonder if that's still around at my dad's somewhere. Probably not. He probably got sick of looking at it. But uh, oh my gosh, man. It was it was those it was those things that were in your your mum and dad's home or in your family home that were were your playsets and just the way Steel sort of described using that as as his playset. It's, I can picture myself in you know the living room where I was when I was five and there was a particular corner table in between uh, two couches that we had and I mean that was that was Tatooine for me like yeah. that was every everything that was going on in Tatooine was happening. 
in that corner of the room for me. That was my playset. So yeah, I just really related to, to, to that. I thought it was a, a great memory. It's really cool to see Kit. Like my son will is really good about that. I had like one of those really hard pressed. Uh, it's like almost looked like egg crate, but huge, and it was the top of some packaging, like a like an air conditioner or something. So, but it was just a bunch of ridges in this hard pressed, you know, compact paper thing. And he played with that with his little Han Solo figures forever. Yeah, he was treating it like yeah. it was like a building laying on its side. It's like, oh my gosh, man, I'm so jealous. I wish I could be a kid right now. And I know to have that to, that uh, level of imagination again. It's it's um be amazing now this next piece of it that you picked i gotta tell you for me i i couldn't imagine doing this to myself yeah but tell me tell me tell me your reaction to this oh i mean steel steel sort of says at the end of the story is like i'm having a hard time dealing with that story and i mean uh, that i'm he's channeling my thoughts right there i just i could not believe it the other book I've read is uh, the Darth Maul novel. Okay, uh, how's that one go? Uh, it's set just before Phantom Menace. Yeah. And it's about Darth Maul kind of having to go through some trials in order to get uh, some information to Darth Sidious. And I read it on a... Those Sith always with their trials. God, it is so hard. <laughs> so annoying. Oh, and I've read the, the novelization of episode one before it came out. Because the the book came out first. Did you read it before the movie I came did out? Read it before the movie, because uh, a guy who I was living with bought it and he read it and he said, "Mate, now I know what's happening. It's such a relief to know." So yeah. I was like, oh, and he just lent it to me. And I read, and I finished it in the cinema just before the midnight one, like half an hour before. Oh, I'm having a hard time talking to you now, mate. No, you haven't heard the worst of it. Do you <laughs> what? know what I did? What? <laughs> I, I've never. Heard, that's the worst spoiler alert ever. You haven't heard the half of it. I finished the book. I slammed the cover shut because it's just, we're just sitting in the cinema. They let us in an hour before. So mm. everyone's just sitting in it. There's nothing on the screen. They're playing Jennifer Page's Crush, One Hit Wonder, on repeat because no one's ever in the cinema for that long. Yeah. And I walked up the front with the book and I go, I've just finished it. Here's some. Here's what happened. Ah. And I started reading the last page. Really? All the, yeah, it didn't give anything away, but they didn't know that. I, just the whole room just started screaming. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there would have been a lot of people in there armed with lightsabers and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I had plastic things thrown at me and <laughs> all these nerds tried to force choke me. <laughs> I think it's one thing to spoil the movie for yourself, but to get up in front of the crowd and go, hey, everybody, <laughs> I've got the spoilers. I mean, the ball's on them for a start. <laughs> but, I just, but I just loved Steele's reaction to that. I just thought that was that was fantastic. I'm, I'm a little spoiler sensitive. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it kind of it, – it's um, it, it, it flicked a nerve with me. I would not like that at all. But this is also one of those uh, podcast episodes where I can remember exactly what, where I was when I heard it because of that story and because of that, you know, I think my my, my jaw was just a gape after, you did what? <laughs> sort of like, yeah. I, remember, I mean, I wasn't anywhere special. I was just in the kitchen, but I can I just remember that moment. So, Oh, man. I Okay, so as far as spoilers go, I've always been – I'm not I'm not interested in hearing them. 
except somehow for The Rise of Skywalker, I claimed I'm going in spoiler free because this is my last okay. chance to see a saga film. And I have read every spoiler <laughs> that has come along and have been totally into it. And I've, I've, I've found that no matter what, there's going to be elements of it that still blow me away because I'm going to have the visual. So it Absolutely. has, but I do definitely understand. And there's parts of me that wish I could just not know anything. But uh, as far as would I sit and read the novelization right before seeing the movie, I got to say probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to talk to you after The Rise of Skywalker and just to see, you know, what your contrast is there as to going through this experience with spoilers as compared to, say, you know, The Last Jedi or The Force Awakens. I um, this is This is sort of the time of year after that first sort of, full-length trailer comes out this is where i sort of start backing off on a lot of star wars podcasts and and in previous um movie releases it'll be you know december and most of november it, it's really quiet in star wars in my star wars world which is which is strange because there's so much going on everywhere else and the excitement leading up to it but i'm tuned out of you know the hours and hours mm-hmm. of podcasts that i listen to every week just to just to try to keep myself safe so it's like this it's just, it's just everything goes silent, and then the movie comes out, and then I go back and listen to all the podcasts that I missed out on, plus all the reaction episodes, and it's just, yeah, January's crazy. Yeah, so. yeah, that's one thing, like, because I think a lot of the reasons my spoiler policy has changed is because of the podcasting. Right. I, the other two dudes on The Bad Motivators, they're all in on the spoilers, and for whatever reason, man, I finally just lost it this time. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Let's let's hear all about it. But uh, I'm it's very commendable to be able to to just back away. So good on you, man. <laughs> Thanks. So okay, so this next episode you have is episode 55, and uh, just I just got to say, any of the stuff with Jackie. I love and the yeah. so on the Patreon feed the uh, Jooklin Strikes Back are some of my favorite episodes and Steel is great don't get me wrong but Jackie is an absolute right. delight man <laughs> she is the best I'm I'm really hoping that she and Harrison show up for Celebration 2020 in Anaheim it would be great cool. to get to see them but uh, yeah she's awesome so tell me tell me about this so yeah I could have chosen a whole different. Uh, any any of the episodes with Jackie in them, they're, they're all awesome. But I, um, yeah, I've always remembered this one. This was their European vacation, and uh, they did the um, the secret cinema experience. And I just love the way. Uh, obviously, one of the things that I love about Steel is just his enthusiasm for Star Wars. I think we all uh, are attracted to that, and. Um, and 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 how he can get so excited when he's telling stories, but this is just that little, that little bit different because you got sort of Jackie there, like um, contributing to the story as well, and 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 talking about the way Steel reacted to it, and it's their their joint excitement together. I think is just um, yeah, it's infectious. It's it's awesome. It started from when Han and Chewie run, are running after the stormtroopers, and then suddenly the stormtroopers are running after them and they run back. Yeah, so on this gangplank above us, they 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 sort of somehow got us to where our heads were in that we were on the Death Star or something. And, mm. yeah, Luke and, I mean, Han and Chewie run down, and I remember fanning out because I was like, oh, that's the Han that I... Uh, Got some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were like, "There's Han. There he is." 
<laughs> and then, then the classic scene where uh, then all the stormtroopers chase them back. Um, mm. And then... Oh, and it I, sounds so hokey, but it wasn't. Oh, it was brilliant. Like, I promise you, it was just... Like being at a Broadway show. And, oh, because remember I met, I'd talked to Obi-Wan as well. Um, remember I talked to Obi-Wan in, on Tatooine? No. Yeah, there was like an Obi-Wan and I said, um, I need some... Was go- that Uncle Owen? No, no. Yeah, there was Uncle Owen, but I did talk to an Obi-Wan who looks so much like Alec Guinness. And I sort of said, because um, you could just go up to him and sort of ask, you know, I said, oh, I need guidance on what to do next. <laughs> And he goes, go see Han Solo in the cantina. And I was like, oh, I will. And uh, then they acted out um, above the gantry of um, this other ramp of the of Darth facing Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan vanishing. And then oh, that was awesome. they had the big, like the, the rebel briefing and they had on the big screen, like the map and the whole... Um, the mm-hmm. brief, the briefing, and then that was cool because we were all like part of it, like yeah, yeah. That. And then the airport hangar sort of got transformed into the Death Star trench, and a full size X wing then comes from somewhere on this crane and flies over us, and then oh, shoot, it was and then, amazing, and then shoots proton torpedoes to blow up the Death Star and all these effects go off. And then the X-Wing, which is a full size, hanging above us, lands in front of us and Luke Skywalker gets out of it and is greeted by everyone. And then at the end of the aircraft hangar, all of a sudden it turns into the um, the medal ceremony and like Princess oh. Leia's there and everyone gets their and medals. And there's thousands of people cheering like people holding their beers up in the air going mental like just the atmosphere and the energy was insane and then some people that were pilots were part of the ceremony like yes i was so jealous <laughs> oh my god because they got because they made all the crowd separate through the middle yeah and, and they, they all got to walk through and i was like oh i can't believe I'm a mercenary. Yeah, and they came through and we all, like, got high fives off him and cheered. And, mm. like, it was awesome. It was so oh, it good. Was incredible. And even telling the story of how it is, I know if I was listening as someone that hadn't been, I'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 a little pantomime show, whatever. But it just, the energy and the enthusiasm and how pumped up everyone else was as well watching it. It was just the atmosphere. It was amazing. It was really amazing. She's going, oh, yeah, and Steele was like, look, there he is. Uh, and it was just <laughs> hilarious seeing her and her do him. And that's exactly how I would have reacted. I would have been, oh, it's hard. So I, I just think it's, it's, it's beautiful. And, and his, his passion when he's, getting, when, he, when, he, when he's getting into that story and telling that story is so caught up. In, in that world that they've created at the secret cinema. And I just think it's magic because it's, it's hard today to sort of get caught up in the fantasy of something. And you have to be really present, I think, and you have to um, just be open to it. And, and I think it's a difficult thing to do. And clearly he was right there. And so was she. And, and I, yeah, it was awesome. I love how happy she is for him and his fandom too. Yes. And my wife yes. could do well. Supportive. To take a cue from that. 
Okay, so she does. She is not as happy. For, actually, I take that back, man. I have the most patient, patient wife in the world. She is the best. She's just not as into it, I guess. But, but yeah, that's a really good one, man. And again, the way I can't stress this enough. Any of the episodes with Jackie are just a plus. Oh, de- definitely. Like she was a bigger fan of that experience as Steel was. Um, you know, you hear Steel talking. I, I, I like Steel got to meet an Obi One there, and he reckons he looked just like Alec Guinness. I would have flipped out if that had happened to me. Like that's just and 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 he kind of was. So it was really getting to sort of share that experience sort of vicariously um, th- through him and and just it, yeah. I'm kind of repeating myself, but as it's the way just as, as excitement builds and and um, she's just egging him on, and it's it's oh, I love it. It's uh, yeah. She um, definitely uh, is the icing on the cake of any episode that she's on, I think. Just a little advertisement for the Jooklyn Strikes Back episodes. Right now they're doing rewatches of like the Phantom Menace they did. And Mm. it's so funny to listen to her talk about because she has – most of the details pretty much right but she's a little vague on some of it and one of the things i love they were talking about i guess it was the mandalorian and something and she's she asked steel she goes well well so it's not available and he said no and she goes but you've got access to it right he's yeah. like no i i don't <laughs> i just loved her confidence in his abilities to to get that but uh, so do I. Yeah, that was great. So, so I suspect that this is a, a nice segue. She probably assumes that he does because of the the high up connections he has with people like this next episode right here, one fourteen with the Brez. And you are a master of segues. Look at that. <laughs> Anthony Bresnikan is awesome. I've been at two of the live shows that he's been a part of the panel for and he's he's a delight and i'm gonna just say right now i subscribe to entertainment weekly like probably three weeks before they announced that they had made all these sweeping uh, changes and i'm like what now because i did it specifically <laughs> there was an <laughs> issue i was wanting and it was like well if you get this you can subscribe for a whole year for twelve dollars it's like twelve dollars heck yeah then i won't have to hunt the star wars issues down when they come out but anyhow, that's enough about my crying. So let's let's talk about this one, man. Tell me about this. Uh, I just I just opened it up with just a, a little clip of the naming of the Brez, um, which it's just it's a it's a very Australian thing to do um, to to shorten someone's name. Generally in Australia, you have got to put an O in there somewhere on the end. So you know, I'm surprised it's not Brezzo. Because that that would be more 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 accurate, I think. We've been working for a while to get this guy on. You would know his work from Entertainment Weekly, covering Star Wars, maybe even hosting one of the uh, most historic panels ever at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. And interestingly enough, in Star Wars fandom, a lot of people have just dropped the first name. He's become that sort of person. It is Anthony, but as many people just say, Bresnikan. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that a lot on Star Wars podcasts. Oh, Bresnikan said. Bresnikan really? said. You've- they should shorten it to Brez. That was my nickname for years. The Brez. Just not the Brez, but just Brez. No, the Brez. <laughs> <laughs> there are other Brezes out. Just be a Brez. You're the Brez. In Star Wars Brezzo. fandom, you are the Brez. No, that- 
I, I liked it. It just kind of it, it solidified it, and and I think he is the brez to all of us now. And he's such a cool guy. Is um, I love listening to him speak. I just think he's uh, he's uh, very very considered, very well thought out. Um, really thinks about what he says before he says it, and and has some 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 really great uh, input into the whole Star Wars conversation. Um, yeah, I, I've a lot of time for the brands. Like if I see if I see he's on on an episode, it's it's getting to the top of my podcast list. So I'm planning that one next. Well, that's definitely a good plan to follow, man, because he is great. And uh, he did a call-in show that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a good one to go back and check out, too. I can't remember what episode, yeah. what episode that was, but it was, it was a blast. Yeah, it's so great that he's, he's kind of involved himself in the Steel Wars community um, the, the, the way he has. Uh, that's, that's excellent. Now, what's the other piece of this one? So, so yeah, the next bit... Um, it's kind of there's kind of two pieces to it, but the, the first part was uh, Steel's kind of moving on with the end of the interview, and the Brez kind of stops him to give him some recognition for for the quality of his questions. Anthony, thank you so much. <laughs> what I final question is: What are you most looking forward to in Star Wars? After you know what I want to before we get to that, okay. I want to tell you I really love that you asked feisty combative questions. I th- I really I'm glad you did. I'm glad you asked the question like am I in Lucasfilm's pocket? I'm glad you complained about the the cover even though we disagree about whether I feel that Darth Vader was underplayed. And I'm glad you challenged me on the Boba Fett thing. Also glad I had a really good answer for that one. <laughs> uh, but like this is what makes a good conversation is you challenge the person you're talking to and as long as it's done in a in a not assholeish way, it's it's a uh, it's it's a good it's that's what makes for a good conversation. So thank you, Steele, for uh, you. Uh, what I admire so much is that you've done your homework and you're very familiar with what I do and other things that have come out. And I really had so much fun having this conversation, Thanks, with man. You. That is, uh, I, I've just gone into my uh, high pitched voice. I take a lot of pride in making the podcast, and that is a huge compliment coming from you. So thank you very much. But some people, I had a book come out, and like I noticed, like they never wanted to ask the feisty question or about something that they didn't like, and I would have been happy to talk about that. And uh, and I love that when when I'm on the other side of being interviewed, I love it when somebody has a little lemon in their questions, a little zest. <laughs> uh, and I'm not, and Nick, I'm not trying to patronize you or anything. I've just had so much fun with this conversation. How many, how long have we gone on here? Uh, we're about an hour and a half. See, I could go for another half, maybe 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I love that part. I was, I was really stoked that Steel was getting the recognition I think he deserves. Um, I mean, leading up to this, this point, uh, in the podcast, still had mentioned, you know, that he, uh, you know, enjoys interviewing and learning about it and growing it and trying to become a better interviewer. So knowing that that's something that, you know, Steele's working on, um, you know, for someone like DeBrez to, to really, you know, pull out a signpost and stop and just go, hey, fantastic questions. I, I was stoked for Steele. I was absolutely stoked for him. And just think, you know, the, the Brez is a top bloke for, for – um, would being the sort of guy that would do that. So, uh, yeah, I love that. The the um the second part of the clip was um just the Brez telling the story that about he's going to take uh, one of his friends to the Rogue One premiere. So, what are you looking forward to most in Star Wars? You mean like in the future? Yeah, beyond this. 
because yeah, it, beyond beyond this podcast, yes. immediately, I'm looking forward to the premiere for Rogue One because my uh, friend from college, his name's Hal Turner. I've known him now for uh, 20 years. Is his wife booked him a trip to come out here, and it just happened to be we were going to go camping on the 10th, and instead I'm taking him to the Rogue One premiere, and my sainted wife was when I said, hey, how's coming? And the uh, premiere's on the 10th while he's here. And she said, you should take him. She didn't make me feel guilty about asking. I'm going to take him. And this dude was like, he had all the games on his, uh, you know, in his room. What was it? The Nintendo 64. Uh, Rogue Squadron, you know, all those yeah, old, yeah. old computer games. Like, uh, and like, we just used to geek out about Star Wars for 20 years. I'm really excited to take him. You know, that's going to come so, back to bite you. It's like, Hey, honey, can I ask you a favor? Why don't you ask Hal a favor? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or all my other friends are like, hey, here there's a, can we come visit when the next Star Wars premiere? But like he, uh, you know, is a good friend of mine. And again, bringing people into this world is my favorite thing. New fans and also old friends. Like any, So I'm like really looking forward to that premiere. I think that should be fun. Just the way the Brez talks about it, like you can picture him taking his friend into the premiere and you can almost picture how, is, how excited his friend's going to be to be a part of it. And what I, what I took from the Brez in that bit was what, what I think was important to him about Star Wars was sharing it with other people. Um, right, and that's, right. That's, that's, that's gold. I mean, that's, that's, that is what I think Star Wars is about. I, I mean, I don't have many Star Wars friends, so I'm not, I'm not doing as much of that as I should be, but... Yeah, I just think you could just you could just hear it in his voice. I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. Well, and we talked about this before we started recording that anytime any event, Star Wars event comes along, the part that you always reminisce about later were the people that were with you, right. and that's and the people you got to encounter, and that's always the stuff, man. But yeah, get him getting props from Bresnikan was super rad because you do love yeah. hearing that, man. Like. Like whenever he got to got to interview Mendo, and he told him, "Man, you're 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 a pro." I thought this this was way more pro than I thought it was going to be. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely. Okay, so this next one, man, this it's episode one seventy four with details, and D is he was on episode one hundred, which was from the celebration floor in, uh, or I'm sorry, the celebration stage at the podcast stage at Celebration London. Golly, could I have said Celebration any more times in that, trying to come up with that. And uh, he has done uh, creature acting in the new films. And it's so cool to hear his excitement about the films in general and the stuff he gets to see. But tell me about this one. Uh, So... I couldn't have done this without including D. And I think I mentioned to you before we started the show or possibly already at the beginning of the show that um, when I listened to Chris Hall's episode, he, he picked all the episodes that I would have picked. You know, you always, when you're listening to Struthers Wars episodes, have floating around in the back of your head, like, which episodes would I choose? And uh, when I was listening to Chris's, I was just like, well, there's no need for me to do it now. He's just going out and taking them all. And um, he did a fantastic job and, and, yeah, we obviously like similar things about Star Wars because he picked all those episodes, and 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 I tried to really not try to pick anything that anybody else had picked, but you you just it's D, and he's 
he's exactly what you would hope uh, somebody would be like if they were involved in Star Wars, you know, a fan getting to do just the coolest stuff ever. But at the premiere, I was just watching the screen and, and it was really funny because your name was under Clint Howard and I was like, oh, that's a really good spot. And then I was, I had to um, remember the name and then go home and Google who you were. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my God, you're standing in front of the Millennium Falcon. And... Um, which is, it's, it's another um, little bit of Star Wars, you know, little, like, synergy or ring theory, because you told that really good story on the 100th episode about walking onto the Falcon on the Force Awakens set. Yeah, but that was just part one, yeah? This is part two. Part two was... <laughs> no, but how many, how many people have walked on both versions of the Millennium Falcon. What's the neater one like? Oh, dude. (laughs) Let me put it this way. When I came off that ship, I made sure that everybody heard me. And who didn't hear me, I went and and found them and told them that I'm having dibs on this place. Yeah? (laughs) And, And I don't care how much the rent is. That's mine, yeah. And and I and I and I didn't have to stay in the I didn't have to stay in the hangar where they kept it. But I was hanging out with the droids. I was hanging out with Nathan and Stephanie. But every time someone was going in there to scan it or to um take a look around, I was like, um, hang on, put on those blue slippers. Don't mess up my floor. <laughs> but wait, every, just, wait, wait, every time someone went in to scan it, they they had sca- yeah. they had scanning crews there. Like in the original yeah, Star yeah. Wars, going on to the Falcon. <laughs> the troopers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah practically, yeah, yeah. Pretty much that. Well, I would just follow up behind, you know, <laughs> like, blaster in hand, you know. You know, but but it was it was beautiful. The floor was, was black and glossy. The walls are, are as you see it, um, pristinely white. Um, and the whole section where the table was you see it in the movie like there's a centerpiece there like there's a couch or something there um and what you don't see is so you so in front of you you've got the hollow chest table um and then um in front of that in between you and that you've got the round seated section where um they bring l3's um broken body but behind that there's like a bar which you didn't get to see. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So Lando has a bar on there too. And then um, in one of the other sections, it was like, um, it was the bedroom. And all of that color coded with that yellow, um, that beautiful yellow that he wears and things like that for the couch and, and for his bed and things. I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, this, I could move in. D, talk to me. I didn't find a toilet. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
<laughs> I, I, I was looking. I, 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 I was actually going to ask if you found the cape room, but... <laughs> yes, 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 did. I found the cape room. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping you didn't use the cape room as a toilet. That that would be horrible. <laughs> After that one, you're not allowed to direct the Boba Fett film. So <laughs> I just my my uh, my cheeks always hurt at the end of a details episode. It's usually just an hour and a half of constant smiling from me, and just being. I don't think I've ever been so happy for for somebody I don't know. Oh yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Never met. I'm just so happy for him. I think he's fantastic. Now, I was really surprised to hear in this because he talks about um, like the scene or in that part of the scene where he has to hold like that that metal key up to Kira's face. Yeah. And that is, they'll always have like what they call the stunt version of a prop that's soft or, you know, meant specifically for that just in case something goes wrong. And he's wearing this big hooded thing. I, that blew my mind. And he talks about, you know, how cautious he was about it. Yes. And when I got my uh, director, Tollside, I think that's that character's name. Tollside, yeah. Yeah. I got the that three and three quarter inch figure. I instantly go to Facebook and post my, I said, I finally scored a details figure in the yeah. wild so that he would know that, hey, man, we, this is you. This isn't That's whatever right. this character's That's name right. is. This is details, it's in, details. in a bubble. That's man. right. <laughs> I can't wait to see what he's done in um, in The Rise of Skywalker. He's got to be in there, right? Uh, oh, I'm sh- I hope so. I sure hope so. Because I, I was just watching Rogue One yesterday. And to see the character he is on there in the Jetta marketplace. Yeah. And I, every time I see it now, I'm always like, oh, there's details. And I try to tell yeah. my kids that they don't get it. But <laughs> but I feel uh, like I, I feel like because of these episodes, I feel like I know him, even though, of course, I don't know him. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. I love hearing that somebody who's in that close to it is still he is living out what we would do if we were in the same situation and having the same reactions we would have. That's what I find so endearing about it is it means the same thing to him as it would to us. Absolutely. And we get to, and and we get to hear about that. I mean, there must be a lot of other star Wars fans working on those movies and creature roles or behind the scenes roles. And, and, you know, we're not getting to hear them talk about it. We're getting to hear D talk about it. I just think, um, and that's, that's uh, it's like a little exclusive Star Wars community thing, isn't it? It's yeah. like you can be a massive Star Wars fan, but if you're over here in the little Star Wars pocket, you can have a bit of details action. I like that. So, okay, this next one is it's one. This is one of those things where uh, it really made me look at a movie differently. And now that I'm even further past it, I look back at this differently but that is episode 183 with the phantom editor and before you heard this episode had you seen the phantom edit uh so this is the second uh time the phantom editor was on oh that's right yeah 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 so this is this is his uh reaction to um ahmed's best video sorry uh yeah yeah that's um, right that's right yeah, so this is a reaction to the Ahmed Best uh, videos. So I had I had not heard, seen the Phantom Edit when um, the Phantom Edit had been on the previous time with Steel, and so after that interview, I went out and tracked it down and, and saw it, and uh, and also listened to the commentary as, as Steel always um, talks about how interesting that is. But 
the Phantom. I just I find it absolutely fascinating. This this any of the filmmaker stuff. Um, I think it's Julian. Is it Julian Smirk? Smirk, yeah. Who was the the editor on The Force Awakens? Found I would have picked that episode, but it had been picked before as well uh, on this list. But you know all that stuff, all the behind the scenes stuff, the 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 way that the decisions are made, and um, I just find really really interesting and. Uh, just to throw Steele a bit more credit as well, it's it's in these interviews where I think he, like, this has literally happened a bunch of times where he'll be talking to someone, you know, the, the Phantom Editor will be explaining something, and then I'll, I'll come up with the next question in my head. Oh, yeah, but what about this? And then Steele asks that question. Right. Like, Thank you. Like, he's, I, I love Steele's questions. Not that he's asking everything that I want answered, but he asked, I don't know, I think... It just asks really good questions, stuff that uh, we as fans would want to know, you know the nitty-gritty stuff. At what point, you know, because it sort of seems like it was sort of happenstance that, yeah. you know, the tape got out. But then obviously... You... At what point did I first find out something? No, like at what point did you sort of go with it? Because you did it again for Attack of the Clones. Uh, I will say that the idea of... The, the Phantom Menace, when people started getting a hold of it, uh, that friend of mine that worked at the studio, each day he would get this list uh, of parties that were going on in L.A. And you RSVP to parties. It could be somebody's birthday party or whatever. And he would get this list and go, hey, do you want to go to Sharon and Doherty's birthday party? And I'm yes. like, yeah, put us down for that. I so do he kept putting us that? down for that. And they would send a list back saying, you're on the list. And we would go to different parties if they uh, allowed us. Because he worked in a studio, they'd think, hey, we want directors and producers to come to these parties. And he started getting notices for Phantom Edit viewing parties. And that's when he called me and goes, this producer, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. I probably shouldn't say anyway, was having the movie play at his house. And he did it multiple times and had people come over. And he's like, I got, I, this is happening. You know, like people are having parties in Hollywood and sharing this duped, dupe, whatever generation VHS tape with these people. And it had to have come out of his office, you know, yeah. those initial ones. But for him to not know how that person got it was the funny part of it. But so at what point did you go, I'm going to, like... You mean go along with it? Yeah. I think... You uh, did it again. That's what I mean. Okay. But it's different um, because the second one was never... No one even knew that I did it. There were five copies, and I strategically sent them to certain people that were friends with George Lucas in a message, Walter Murch being the most notable of all of them, in that I don't understand why, you know, like, why is he doing this? And I know that you are his friend. What do you mean this? uh, Why he's choosing to make the movie. Like, of all the things in the world, uh, an admirable thing that George Lucas got the ultimate thing to happen, and that is he doesn't have to answer to anyone. He makes a movie. There isn't Disney or somebody above who's paying the checks to say, don't do this, don't. It's the ultimate goal of every artist is to just be free like that. And if you've seen, you know, Star Wars, Star Wars was even nominated for Best Editing, and it won, you know, for the Academy Awards. It was nominated for Academy Awards. It's seen as AFI's top 100 films of all time. There's a credibility to it in movie making that goes beyond it being a 12-year-old movie. It's just that it's not, it's being told in a very adult way, but it's a fun, that's why it became a, a broad hit. So when he has the opportunity to not have 
a studio head or anything over his head to do that. He kind of chose to make a movie about showcasing tech, new technology. Mm. And when he sees it, his filter watching that movie is, this is amazing because I've always wanted to do computer walking. That's why I had Pixar. and It wasn't the direction. They weren't able to make realistic kind of things. They could do ray-traced imagery, but they weren't making things that look like real human characters. And so he didn't want Pixar anymore because of that. But here he is looking at it, this dream that he'd had for a long time is a real character. And he kind of just showed it off. And I think the idea of it being, everybody check out this really cool thing I did because he thinks that that's his filter. And if the advertising campaign said, we're going to show you a human character, this is going to be, you know, we're kind of bypassing the usual. Like if you had a preface that wasn't, hey, come and see a new Star Wars movie, it might have been seen much differently. Like, how are they doing this? How is this existing? What is this motion capture thing? That's not the way people took the movie, which is probably why it was hit harder. But he had the opportunity to tell this really great story, and he kind of focused more on technology. I really liked how, how, he, how he sort of was talking about, you know, possibly the way George had looked at the Phantom Menace, uh, the, the Phantom Menace, and how, you know, he was, he was looking at it through that lens of a tech lens rather than a story lens. Mm-hmm. And, and, and therefore, for him, that movie is probably a giant success because of all those advances I, I, I'm able to do in the, in the tech world. And I don't know, if you, if you look through it, through that lens, you can, I don't know, it helped me um, to appreciate where George was coming from a little, a little bit more. Were you surprised at how Ahmed Best felt about the entire thing and like looking back for me i know personally that sort of my reaction to the phantom menace like was i a big giant jerk about it i would like to think no but uh i never thought about how something like the phantom edit might feel to the actors involved Mm. well i I think that was I was kind of addressed in that episode a little bit where I sort of um, assume that Ahmed Best hasn't actually seen it uh, and he's and hasn't seen the edit and he's just going more more off what he's been told right. because you know the the general consensus is oh the Jar Jar's been taken out of the movie but he, but he hasn't he's he's reduced but he's still definitely key in the edit so yeah I think possibly Ahmed's take on it doesn't line up with the reality of what the the edit is um that being said it's horrible what he's had to go through and whether i think the edit was done with the best intentions or not i'm sure he's going to feel something about it he has to yeah i i i agree and because honestly the the part that surprises me the most is that i never thought about how that would feel to him you yeah know, for something um, like this. yeah but um, I, I will say this. I was super glad to see at Celebration when he came out for the Phantom Menace panel that the people just lit the place up for him. Yes. I yeah. really liked that. That was one of the few things good about the Phantom Menace panel. <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was really stoked in that moment as well. Uh, yeah, I was really happy for him. There was also just a, a little uh there's a little bit towards the end of that clip where 
um, the Phantom Editor starts talking about Return of the Jedi and Ewoks, and he just kind of brings Ewoks up in a particular tone, and Steel just quickly jumps in and goes, "Oh, you're on thin ice now, mate." <laughs> and I just thought that that was that was funny, just Steel having a little bit of a dig there, you know, it's Ewoks. And uh, I would love to see Ewoks make one last appearance in the saga. Do you think there's any? Uh, you think they'll show up in the Rise of Skywalker? Man, oh, it's really hard to say. I I do think there's a chance, but I have no inside information. That's just a hopeful guess on my part. What about like a, a background Ewok or a, uh, an Ewok head hood just hanging off something? You know, I I think or seeing a reference in a character. I think seeing one in the background, like if it happens to be that they're on Endor when we see the ruins of the Death Star, that that would be really cool to to see an Ewok like standing at the edge of a of a woods yeah. or something like that. That would yeah. be pretty neat. Now somebody made a brilliant edit of of the scene from the trailer where Ray throws the lightsaber at the training remote and it cuts the tree down and it goes to a yeah. long shot and you see it just cutting down tree after tree after tree. And then it comes and cuts wicket in half. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is unacceptably funny. I just tell you, <laughs> it's good. Good. Times. I haven't seen that. Oh man. I'll no see if I can, steal. I'll see if I can dig it up and I'll, I'll kick it to you. Cause it is good. Uh, Okay, so your last pick, man, episode 198 with Hugh Fleming. And uh that's a pretty recent episode. Uh, tell me tell me your tell me your talk. Your good lord. Tell me your thoughts on this. Yeah, well, you know, obviously Hugh's been on a, on a couple of times on the live show and and so forth and I um was immediately just attracted to Hugh's sense of humor, his uh his dryness. Um and and in the same way as like like the Brez and uh, the Phantom Editor, I think he's got some some really well thought out ideas, and I kind of just like the way he approaches uh, Star Wars. I like hearing him talk about it. Actually, while I was sort of doing the research for this, and I, would, I listened to that episode a couple of times to sort of pick the, the the bit out that I wanted to to use, I was thinking I would love to hear a Hugh Fleming podcast. So. Hugh Fleming talks Star Wars. I'd listen to that weekly. I'm up for that. So Hugh, if you're out there, <laughs> well, he li- he listens to all the Strahler's Wars episodes. That's been my understanding. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a that's a that fact then. I just made up just now on the spot. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's your show. You can do that. That's right, man. That that's absolutely correct. The clip was was him talking about the um about the new movies. Uh, and and it was him saying that he he didn't really feel that at the end of Jedi, it didn't feel complete for him. I think in a way that that um, Kasdan and Kirshner and Gary Kurtz hijacked the Empire Strikes Back a little bit and sort of wrenched it into this slightly more adult tone. I don't think that was ever really what George wanted. I think he always wanted it to be like. You know, mostly for kids, which is great, which is fine. That's what they are. And the Empire was just accidentally a bit more grown up than <laughs> the other ones. And, and the thing about these movies, all of these movies, they have wildly shifting tones. I mean, Star Wars and Empire and Jedi, they, they look different. They feel different. We think of them as a block because we, we embrace them all at, at, in one block at that time. But Star Wars looks like a bit of a 60s studio film and Empire looks more 
you know, artistically photographed and it's more serious. And then Jedi's was a big family film. It's a lot more colourful. Um, you know, the, the tone's up and down all over the place, and that's just normal for a franchise. And when people see a new Star Wars film and it's tonally completely different, they, they should just be able to handle it a bit better than they currently seem to be doing. They should just be happy with the fact that they are all, all different in the prequels, whatever you, however you feel about the prequels, however, whichever trilogy is your favourite, they're all giving you different flavours of Star Wars and and that's not a bad thing. That's kind of good and, you know, it's uh, it's to be embraced. And, and f- another thing about Jedi to me is it always felt a bit like uh, a bit of a – it didn't really satisfactorily complete the whole story for me. It seemed like the Empire was – just wiped out with this one thing of, you know, they they kill Vader, they kill Palpatine, they blow up the Death Star, and then the Empire just gives up. Well, that's not what's going to happen. The Empire is still everywhere. You still got a lot of cleaning up to do, to to bring peace and uh, and, and justice and liberty back to the galaxy. And um, and Jedi just felt like, well, that's is that the end? And even when you put the prequels in there, it's the end for for a six film series. But the beauty of it now is that they've continued the saga and whatever little problems, um, you know, it actually shows you what happened after all of that. And it does show you the consequences. And there are things in Jedi I don't, I'm not really keen about. One of the main things is I don't think Han and Leia get really much of a, a look in as characters. They don't get to grow much or, or have any interesting conflicts. It's just a little bit, you know, they're just sort of supporting cast. And, it's great to see them come back. It's great that we got Harrison Ford back and doing something meaningful in The Force Awakens. It's awesome we got such a, a brilliant final uh, performance from Carrie as Leia, a great final Leia picture. And those little dips in, you know, where I feel the characterization sort of got a bit lost in Return of the Jedi, it's compensated for with the later films. So Jedi's now like, well, that's the movie where Luke redeems his dad. These other movies that come along, these are the ones where Han confronts his son and Leia passes the baton of leadership to, to other characters. And so they get meaningful things to do afterwards. So it's not all on Jedi's shoulder to be the end of the saga. And so, so long as the whole thing just keeps rolling on, there's always an opportunity to, to make up for little discrepancies and, and, um, you know, and, and little little stumbles along the way. You know, and I just think that's a that's a really um, wise way of approaching fandom and and for uh, approaching the films. Now, it that is one of the things that I find the most interesting is just how varied the takes you get from people on the same movies that we see and how it affects my view of the movies later. You know what mm. I mean? It's it's one of those deals where I don't know if like somebody's comedic take on it, but in a totally respectful way will will make me just appreciate the whole thing deeper. I guess, right? For lack of way of putting it, yeah, I love hearing um, I love hearing things that I've never heard, never thought of. Uh, you know, um. I'm probably a little bit sensitive to to sometimes when things are extremely negative, 
sometimes I'm not as open to sort of taking those in and, and thinking about them and trying to see them through my view. I can be a little bit standoffish. But if someone comes at it with a – if someone's put some thought into it, then I'm, I'm open to appreciate any idea. And I think it can strengthen the way you see it. That's a good way of putting it, man. Um, a buddy of mine, Luke, who went to Celebration with me, he was telling me that he had a conversation with a guy at work and they talked about Star Wars for a long time and the guy didn't like The Last Jedi. And, you know, Luke told him that he did and they had a perfectly decent conversation. That was, And I was like, well, isn't that what? something? It's possible. Yeah. And, and that and honestly, you, that you joke, man, but that's one of those things where the fact that I'm talking about it as a rarity is a little disappointing. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. Now, you know, Hugh Fleming was the the artist who did the, the Jedi Rocks poster, right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh. And that thing sequel. is so cool. And the, and the, the, there was a rap one. There was a second one as well with prequel. prequel oh, characters. yeah. I forgot about yeah. that one. Yeah. Oh, man, that is cool. Yeah, he's been on a handful of episodes. I know I, he was on one of the very earliest, I'd say, like, inside the top, the first, like, 25 episodes. It was really good, yes. too. So yeah. if you get a chance, definitely go back and listen to that one. Oh, well, So that's the end of your list. But let me ask you this. If you had to pick a single favorite Steel Wars episode of all time with no, <laughs> it's totally fine if somebody else has picked it before, what would, what would you say? Um, uh, one? Can I, can I pick only one? Just one, um, and and you can pick a, a runner up if you need to. Uh, I'll go. I'll go random, and I'll, I'll say I think it was episode eight was the um, NJVC episode. It was the the guy that had done the the fan edits? Yes. Of um of the of the movies, and and he done he did the Pulp Empire. Pulp Empire. Yep. Uh, I'm a big Tarantino fan and, and, and love all that stuff. And it was one of one of the earlier episodes I heard. And and I don't know, the, there was something about that episode that uh, he's also Australian and Steele and he him didn't know each other. And the, and Steele had mentioned the the fan edit on a previous episode. And next thing he was interviewing him. And I was just for me, early days of podcast listening to me, it's like wow, this is magic that something like this can come together. And once again. The questions that Steele was asking him were, were things I wanted to know as I heard him talk. I didn't know about fan edits then. So, uh, yeah, I ran off and downloaded a bunch of different ones, and I've seen that Pulp Empire one several times. I think it's it's excellently crafted. So, Pulp Empire is amazing. I Tim Dunlap, a friend of the show, he was at the, the Han Solo live show that was at the scum and villainy cantina. And I was there with steel and he handed steel a whole bunch of fan edits. One of which was that one. And so when we got back to steel's place that night, we put that thing on and I kept dozing off cause I was so tired. So I ended up watching the whole thing again. And since then, man, I have watched that. I bet at least 10 times and yeah. it's so good. It's so well it's done. It's very, very well done. I, I've got to admit, I was a little bit trepidatious going into it. I was, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it could somehow influence my view of Empire. You know, once, once I've got this new version of it in my head, when I re go back to rewatch Empire, am I, am I, how's that going to influence me? But I was able to 
to to watch it as a standalone thing and just enjoy it for its for yeah the way it's done and and um yeah its style it's fantastic i think as far as fan edits go the way that was approached with ta- a whole unique take on the movie and the style of it as opposed to just being like man cuz i saw one that somebody had on a fan edit site that was the la- the uh the force awakens except now it doesn't suck and it's like come on yeah. that's not the right spirit to do it in but with pulp empire it's 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 turning it into the style of another filmmaker that's completely detached from star wars and it is so well done it's definitely uh, worth looking for you can find it for free online just search I mean, for it yoda with subtitles it was oh just my gosh perfect. the, the perfect. work that must have taken because he actually oh. has dialogue that lines up with his mouth movements and the laughing and the whole bit so good so, good. so well done <laughs> but oh my gosh now i'm gonna go watch the watch pulp empire well, Do Danny, it. man, thanks so much for doing this show with me. This has this been, has a, been blast, a blast, man. Yeah, uh, it's great. Just a little inside baseball, man. Danny and I, we talked for like 45 minutes before we ever recorded a single minute of the podcast. Just hanging out, man. Two Star Wars fans, continents apart, hanging out via Skype. So could, could easily do another 45. Oh yeah. <laughs> so man. much to talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, thank you so, so much. And it's been a blast. You're a really, really fun guy to talk to. Uh, tell the, tell the people where they can find you on social media. If you care to be tracked down. Uh, I have like, uh, I have a very small social media, uh, imprint, but, um, I'm on Facebook uh, as Danny Radford. You'll find me in the safe haven occasionally, but, um, yeah, say hello. Right on, man. Now, I'd just like to give you a big thanks and a big shout-out too, Eric. I just think it's it's awesome that you do this show and, you know, that, that recognition of Steele and what he does and, and all the effort you have to put into putting these shows together. Obviously, the um, the contacting the people and the back and forth of the communication and then obviously you're going to have to edit this and everything else that goes uh, along with it. So thank you. You are a good dude. I appreciate it, man. I have a lot of fun doing these episodes. The editing is surprisingly hard. You think, well, how hard can it be? It slaps them. It's tricky to get it to flow well. But hearing the people's episode picks is really cool. But talking to the people has been the best, man. This has been the best part for me. And, And like getting to spend this time with you has been a blast. And it makes doing the show even more worth it. Cheers, man. That's great. Well, awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. There we go. Another episode of Strawler's Wars. Danny's super cool, and I really I hope to meet him one day and hang out in person. Hopefully he can get to a celebration, or I can get to Australia, or maybe both could happen. Anyway, I hope that you'll check out the full-length version of each one of these episodes that we talked about today. And if you're a Patreon supporter and you want to do an episode of Strawler's Wars with me, all you got to do is reach out and we will set something up. Now, if you're not a Patreon supporter, I got to ask you, what are you waiting for? All you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash steel wars. And for as little as $3 a month, you'll have access to the entire back catalog of all of the past Steel Wars regular episodes. Plus, there's a lot of cool Patreon-exclusive shows, such as Star Wars Year by Podcast with Hawes Burkhart, 
one of my personal favorites, Juglin Strikes Back with Steele's wife, Jackie. They're hilarious. I'm just going to have to say it. She's awesome, too, by the way. Questions you have, answers I give, and more. If you want to find out more about what I do, check out my Star Wars podcast, The Bad Motivators, that I do with my buddies Luke and Dallas. And I'm also on The Sith List. Anyway, until next time, I am out of here. And may that force be with you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.